You are listening to a sermon from Emmaus Church LCMS. For more information, please go to www.emmauspasco.org. Abundant grace and mercy and peace and joy are yours today in Christ Jesus. Amen. So here in our epistle reading, the exhortation, Rejoice Always. We heard in the psalm, you sows and tears will reap with shouts of joy. And we see the garments of salvation and joy being bequeathed and given in Isaiah. It's the third Sunday in Advent, and we each year focus on joy. Not to whip ourselves up into joy, but as we ponder God coming among us, the byproduct is joy. We rejoice in what God has done, God is doing, God does, and God will do. So, joy is a little tricky to get a hold of and talk about. But I, I want to unpack it looking at, at the, the readings for today. And I want to use as a jumping off point one of my favorite Psalms, it's Psalm 126. And it's it's a it's only six verses, but it's like a a story a prayer, a declaration, and another story. Story in very condensed terms. But, but, but think about it. And you, we, we said it together. But it takes us back to a particular place in Israel's history. It says, when the Lord, when Yahweh brought the captives back from Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our Lips with songs of joy, shouts of joy. So here's the setting. In 587 BC, Jerusalem was destroyed and great numbers of the people were carried off into exile. God said this was going to, that exile, that imprisonment was going to last for 70 years. And lo and behold, in the 70 years, King Cyrus came to power. And he said to all these Jews, Judah, because they're called Jews because from Judah, that's where the name comes from, you can go home. Most of those people were born there in Babylon. Some of the really old timers, you know, maybe little kids were there for 70 years and came back as very, very old folks. But most never been there, but they kept hearing about the, word, the Holy Land. That's our land. That's our place. It's, it's great. And here, after 70 years, they're, they're given the green light to go home. And it was, it was, we were like watching the dream, you know. And we have this expression once in a while we use it, you know, I thought I'd die and gone to heaven. You know, something really great happens like that. And um, uh, that, that's what that's saying. And, um, and so it goes, when Yahweh brought the captives back from Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouths were filled with laughter, our, our tongues with shouts of joy. 
And then it was so remarkable that the neighboring nations, it says, then the nations said, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. It's quite a little, it's, it's all packed in there. <laughs> it was so remarkable. We are. But then the scene, the, the temper of it kind of changes a little bit. Because all of a sudden there's a cry, a prayer, a plea. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the negative, the desert, the south. Restore our fortunes. Why, why would they do that? What, what, what the commentator says, I said, said they have this idealized picture, and Isaiah said how wonderful it's going to be. And, um, but Isaiah was talking about when Jesus comes, they thought it was going to be when they, they were expecting to come back and find a messianic age. What did they find? A mess. Jerusalem still in rubble, walls broken down, the fields, you know, farmers, you can imagine, unattended for 70 years, what that was like, they hadn't been attended. So they cried out, okay, we're back here. Restore our fortunes, Lord. We were back here, but oh, it's a mess. Like and like a streams in the negative. Negative is a desert. It doesn't rain there, but it rains up in the mountains to the north. And when it does heavy enough, a stream comes pouring down through the these are called wadis into the desert, and things bloom, blossom. Restore our fortunes like streams in the negative. And then the principle says set forth. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. And then the, the story that illustrates that. He who goes forth weeping, bearing his seeds, or sowing, will come back rejoicing, carrying his sheaves with him. Get the picture? So what, what, what's going on there? Remember, these are like subsistence farmers. They have a very tiny margin between survival and starving to death. And this, this, this seed that they have and this grain, it's either, it has to be apportioned out between what they're going to live on through the, through the winter and through the dry time and what they put in the ground to grow. So he's weeping as he goes forth. The more seed he casts out, the more likely it is that his kids are going to starve or have a really tough winter. You see? The more he holds back so that they have something to live on, the less crop he's going to have next year. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. 
he who goes out weeping, bearing his seed, will come back with sheaves. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Can any farmers relate to that here? Do I have an amen? So you had that experience of joy, but then you have the harsh realities of life as they come back. But then you have the source of provision and joy, and that's God, because God causes things to grow, and God provides for their family. But those, those three things you have, experience of joy, but then the harsh realities of life, and then the source of, of help. So, then let's go to Isaiah chapter 61. It's spoken into a time of, of need because it mentions the brokenhearted, it mentions captives, those who are bound, and those who mourn. But it has wonderful words. The prophet says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to those groups. Um, the brokenhearted, bind up. The bound, opening of the prison, proclaiming the year of the favor, year of the Lord's favor, comfort for those who mourn. And garments of praise and oil of gladness. That's why this is chosen for the Sunday of, of joy. So who's going to do this good thing? It's God. You don't have the verse numbers there, but at verse 8, says, I will faithfully give them their recompense. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Everlasting covenant with them. And so what's the reaction then, the response? The prophet says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. So you have this same beautiful pattern of, of great need in the midst of the, the hurtingness of life and the brokenness of life and uh, um, disappointments of life, brokenhearted, bound, captives, mourn, you've got God stepping in. God promising to act, promising God promising to come and do. And then you have this image, once again, sort of like Psalm 126, of the, of the earth bringing forth. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a crop or garden causes what is sown to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. So it uses that same image of growth from the ground. God is the one who causes things to grow. It's not our efforts. JJ isn't out there making those little cordon seeds grow. Come on, grow seed, poking them. No. God gives the growth. God gives the life. 
when we see what God does, we see what God is like, and joy wells up, we rejoice because God's goodness and greatness and his kindness toward us. And so we come to this wonderful epistle reading. Rejoice always. <laughs> Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for all of you. So, these are in the form of commands, but they're called, um, if you want the theological term, this won't be on the final, but it's um, gospel imperatives. That's what I learned in seminary. Gospel imperatives, because it's, it's commands, but it's motivated by the gospel. See, it's not something where you can't, just, you can't pray, you know, every second, you can't give thanks every second. You can't rejoice. You know, it, it's the, these are things that are to characterize the life of the child of God. For this is God's will for us in in Christ Jesus, because of what Christ has done, because of what Christ has accomplished, He's come. He's laid down His life. We don't deserve any of it, and that that's. You know, that's why, like, um, birthday gifts or Christmas gifts are so, you, know, you don't deserve them. You're just given them. And that's, that's at the heart of the gospel. We deserve condemnation. We deserve separation from God. But what happened? Jesus was condemned. Jesus was separated. So we get acceptance. We get Adoption. It's all grace. And so it characterizes rejoice always. And we even have a picture of God doing it in 23 and 4. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will do it. It's God's working in our lives. But what, what is our part? We do have a part. It says there, do not quench the spirit. See, we're, we're not to um, uh, um, stir up joy so much as Focus on what God has done. Don't quench the spirit. How does the spirit work? The spirit works through the word. The spirit works through the sacrament. The spirit works through Christian fellowship. Don't quench the spirit. Make yourself, avail yourself of all the resources that God makes available to you so that you can have what he provides. God uses means. God uses his word. God uses the sacrament. God encourages us through each other. Don't quench the spirit. Don't separate yourself from those means that God provides to bless us. 
and the God of there come your, he, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. See, joy isn't the requirement for Christian discipleship. It's the consequence. It's a product of the abundance of God that he lavishes upon us. But don't quench your spirit or you'll miss it out. Then our gospel reading from John chapter 1. Isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't speak? Jesus doesn't appear? He's alluded to, but he's not really, and he's in the crowd, but he's not front and center. And so we have this focus on, on John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light. Now, what does light imply? Just think about that. Light implies darkness. The world filled with darkness, darkness of sin and brokenness. You, know, you can't, that, that, you know, the news and local, state, national, and world news, darkness. We see darkness in our own, you know, families and relationships and all, it, we just, G.K. Chesterton said that uh, original sin is the only doctrine completely visible to everyone at every moment or something like that. We just see it evidenced everywhere, darkness. So it's good news that light comes. So what's John's proclamation? I am not. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I am not. I am not the Christ. I'm here to bear witness to the light. To the light. I'm the voice of one crying. Make straight the way of human improvement. Make straight the way of trying harder. Make straight the way of human potential. No, make straight the way of the Lord. The Lord's here. He's among you. And this is, you know, the, the full story with the baptism. This We just get a glimpse of it here. He says, he's among you. He's among you. And I'm not worthy to tie his shoelaces. The light the light in the midst of the darkness, the darkness of Good Friday. What a apt image of the condition of the human race in which our Lord gives his life and then the glory of Easter morning and the sunrise. Light has come. So the urgency and energy in Advent to be alert and quench not the spirit, be open to receiving and savoring afresh the amazing thing that God comes among us. But we are in needy people with brokenness all around us. About Psalm 126, where we started, somebody said this, 
all suffering, all pain, all emptiness, all disappointment is seed. Sow it in God, and he will finally bring a crop of joy from it. We all have our stories of, of need and hurt and disappointment and brokenness. We give it to him. Let him do his thing with it and bring joy from it. Joy is what God gives us, not what we, not what we work up. We have cause to rejoice. The world is as a substitute. It's an industry. It's called the entertainment industry. It's huge. It's a counterfeit. But what God wants to supply to the human heart is found in the one who comes, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for letting us be together today and to ponder these marvelous portions of your precious word. Remind us again and again that we have cause to rejoice. And I pray that none of us may quench the spirit by closing ourselves off to your blessings and your means of grace in the ways that you encourage us and forgive us day by day. Oh Lord, may we be men and women of real joy. Not superficial, happy happiness, but joy. Because we're clothed with the garments of righteousness that Christ has won for us. Thank you. Through that same Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. This has been a message from Emmaus Church LCMS. We thank you for listening and invite you to find out more by visiting our website at www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org. That's www.emmauspasco.org.